Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Rootsway Podcast. This is your host, Jason Ringenberg. Today, we have one of my best friends in the world, Jaden Allen. Very talented travel advisor, travel consultant, and all-around world traveler. Today, she shares some of her amazing stories. We share some of our funny stories in traveling together, because we do often. I think you guys will love Jaden as much as I love Jaden, because she's truly one of the most amazing people that I've ever met personally. So, yeah, this is a very special episode for me, and I can't wait for you guys to get to know Jaden. So, here it is, Roots Away. Thank you guys. You. What's up, Jaden? Hey, hey. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about you? Hey, yeah. So uh, my name is Jaden, and I am originally from New York and currently living in Portugal. I am a travel advisor. Um, started a travel company about three years ago where I make custom-built travel itineraries for clients all around the world. And, um, yeah. How did you uh, get into being a travel advisor? Um, Well, I originally... um, This is funny. I was actually working at a ranch in Moab that we both worked at. And... I was working at the front desk and I got this email from this travel agent that was like asking about um, a, a client of his that he was booking a hotel room for. And he had said he was a travel advisor and he was booking a room for somebody and in this email. And I was like, wait, what does he do? And I like clicked his website and it was this guy that, you know, he had a travel company and he was booking like cool adventure trips for people. And it kind of just like opened this window for me where I was like, wait, what is this job? And people are still doing it because I thought it was kind of something from, you know, the past. You hear the word travel agent, you think it's like something from a long time ago that people don't need anymore. But it was honestly just seeing this random person that emailed me (laughs) when we were working at the ranch in Moab that I was like, oh, cool. This is this looks like a job that I would want to do. and that kind of just started my journey. Yeah. So how did you like set it all up? Um, for a while, I just did a travel blog and I was just researching a lot on the industry. And it is an interesting industry at the moment because there are a lot of things that travel agents did in the past. But because of new technology and different things like the industry has changed a lot. So there really isn't this like guidebook per se on how to start unless you kind of go through a host agency. And the things that I wanted to do were pretty different than what a lot of other travel agents were doing. So it was just kind of a lot of trial and error. Like I started a blog first 
And then I just kept researching. And then um, I did work for under a host agency for a little bit and kind of learned the ropes. And then I kind of tailored my own thing. How's it going? Is it successful? Yeah. You know, uh, I had like the really bright idea of starting this, ironically, like a month before COVID hit. Um, <laughs> which was pretty awful, um, initially because yeah, it was just like, wait, the travel industry just crashed and I just tried to start a travel company. Um, but, uh, so initially it was kind of rocky getting started, but looking back, I'm pretty actually thankful for that time because it really made me have to like hone in and focus and be like, is this something that I really want to do? And um, I just stuck it out through COVID. And then I, I, I got, I started getting my first couple clients <clears throat> and then um, yeah, I just started building like a loyalty, you know, like that was kind of my main focus in my clients. Like I wanted to create the best possible trip for people and then create like a loyalty with them. And, and I really did establish that. And so, so many of my clients are actually just constant repeats every year for their trips. Um, so yeah, it's been awesome this first three years, minus the whole COVID stint in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were still traveling during COVID. so <laughs> I know you and I were like, yeah, this is when we're going to go to Egypt. <laughs> people were like, what? <laughs> It was a great idea, actually. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was like no lines. I laid in the top of the pyramid by myself for like 15, 20 minutes. Like, who can say they've done that? <laughs> and all because it was during COVID. Yeah, I know. We had like everything to ourselves, which is like. Wild. Yeah, I mean, the, the Saqqara pyramids, people were literally like, like the, I mean, the people that worked there, we showed up and we were like is it open because nobody was there except the people that worked there <laughs> oh do you want to tell that story <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah you could start with that one <laughs> so we were going to the sakara pyramids which um is like the they're older than like the other pyramids I think that's the, like, the oldest, oldest pyramid in the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oldest one in the world. And, um, this poor, like Uber driver, we <laughs> not speak like any English. And basically they like tricked him into like being our, um, our tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened? Yeah. We like, didn't know that, you know, I should have known this as a travel agent, but I was just kind of like, we just were showing up at the Saqqara pyramids without a travel guide. And then we get to the front and the guy's like, no, you need a guide. So we just like asked our Uber driver <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I don't know, we basically just paid this guy on accident. We didn't really even know what we were doing, but our Uber driver bless his heart he was egyptian but he had never even been there so he was like pumped that he was also getting a tour <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i felt like that was one thing about egypt was you were kind of getting ripped off every once in a while if you weren't paying attention 
like every we day. All felt, yeah, because there was that other guy that like we accidentally somehow paid him like twenty dollars, and all he did was tell us something that was original versus not original. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, YouTube is funny like that. It's like. I just get a tour guide because you're going to be assigned one. <laughs> yeah, that's my number one tip for Egypt. It's like, do not go anywhere without a guide. <laughs> yeah, because like, I mean, you're going to end up paying somebody for something. <laughs> Way more. more than, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, any cash that you have on you will be taken and you don't know how or where it went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like. It's like almost like you should just get a tour guide just so that nobody else bothers you, really. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're paying them for, kind of. I mean, at the end of the day, I honestly didn't mind giving all those people, random people money because their tourism industry was hurting so bad during COVID that at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? You're hustling. It's cool. Yeah. Also, we were like the only tourists. so. <laughs> yeah. They were like... Oh my god, people. <laughs> like, oh my god, money. <laughs> yeah, I oh. remember the that first day when um when we first got there and y'all were sleeping and I like went out by myself. Um an Egyptian guy stopped me on the street and he was like, Wait, how are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know, you can just come. He's like, We haven't seen you guys in months. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. What? <laughs> And then he was oh, like, come, come have tea. Come have tea with me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. He, then he like bought me some tea and we chatted for a while. Then he tried to sell me stuff, but yeah, I didn't. <laughs> That's the other really cool thing about Egypt that I think, well, it's more of a Middle Eastern thing, but I mean, in Egypt, if you see a person, if they see a person walking alone, it's like custom that they invite that person over for tea. Because they don't want anyone to be lonely. It's so cute. <laughs> it is cute. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. It was like that in Jordan as well. It was just people shoving tea in your face constantly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like super high sugar content. <laughs> yeah, you're just constantly buzzing. It's it's like the tea culture versus coffee culture. It's like you're just yeah. always buzzing on that sugar from all the tea. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't drink or anything, so tea is all they got. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I feel like we could just have a podcast in itself on it on uh, Egypt. <laughs> we probably could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what what other stories could we tell about Egypt? I'm trying to think. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think the funny part about Egypt too is it's. It really is like the Wild West. Like, if you, which is cool and I guess a little scary, but it's like you can kind of pay anyone to see anything if, as far as, you know, artifacts go or something. Like, remember that guy? We were on Nubian Island, that Nubian Island, we're like walking up, or we took the camels up um, to those one ruins, and they were actually doing a dig while we were there. And it was like, just kind of paid this guy and he like opens the tomb up and there's like literally bones inside. Like, I mean, I feel like 
<laughs> oh, I think, yeah, I remember It was that. like, wait, are we allowed to be in here? Like, yeah, it like was just some... Yeah, was it like a police officer kind of guy? I, I think... think I think he was like head of the dig, to be honest, or he was some, I think it was something important, but it was just funny because it's like, I, yeah, I mean, Egypt's like that. It's like, if you want to just like kind of go see some crazy old skeleton bone, like right up close, still in the ground, you probably can. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, just pay him to like be in on the dig. Like, yeah. Yeah. Can I like help you guys? <laughs> Uh, how about uh, how about those Sakara beers? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh, we got real drunk on Sakara beers, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah, it tastes like. I mean, I don't even know what's in that. Is it's it is alcohol, but I mean that's the that's the other tip about Egypt is like, do not drink the local stuff because it's scary. <laughs> Yeah, you can like go blind. <laughs> <laughs> oh like, man! I mean, yeah, I read that when I was like researching it. Like, oh yeah, do not drink like the local liquor. <laughs> so I don't think that you were still in Egypt when this happened. I think it's after you left. But you know, I was in Egypt for in total. I was there for I think almost four months. Um, and towards the end there, it was kind of like, you know, I'm not an alcoholic, but you go a couple months and you're like just feeding for like a normal drink, you know, cause like all they had is the local stuff that tastes awful. So I was getting a little desperate there, like at one moment. And, um, we found out from this local that he was like, he's like, well, there's this trick that we, <laughs> that we do because the, uh, you know, the normal alcohol brands, they only sell them in the airport. They don't sell them. It's like really hard to get them anywhere else. I mean, you get them in super fancy hotels for like triple the price. But you, the other trick is you can get them in the airport, like in the duty free. But obviously you can't go in that section unless you have a flight or you just came from a flight. So this local guy, he like gives us gives me and my husband this tip that he's like, he's like, okay, we're just going to go to the airport. There's a flight landing from, um, where's the flight landing from? I don't know. Somewhere in Europe. He's like, there's a flight landing here in like 30 or in like an hour. So he's like, let's just wait outside the airport. He's like, you're going <laughs> to, he's like, you're going to find someone coming out from the air, from like by the gate. And you're just going to ask them to go back in and buy you alcohol from the duty-free. Oh and I'm like, wait, what? Am I this desperate? But honestly, yeah, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I was that desperate. <laughs> I just want to drink. Yeah. So, like, so that's what we did. We went with this guy. We waited outside of this airport gate. And... I mean, we felt so awkward. We were like, I feel like we're just like hustling. We like asked a few random people to go buy, go back in and get us alcohol. And they looked at us like, what? You want me to do what? And then finally there's this guy. <laughs> and he was like the fourth person I asked. And I was like, all right, this is the last person we're going to try to ask. And then I'm done with this. And I still was a little desperate. So I was like, hey, buddy, look, 
<laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, have you been to Egypt before? He's like, no, it's my first time. I was like, cool. Let me tell you that you cannot get alcohol here, like normal alcohol, except in that airport. And I was like, I will give you $20 to go in there and get me any bottle of normal <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> I don't even care what it is. Any bottle. <laughs> I mean, tequila preferably, but I was like, just get us anything with a normal label. And he's like, I was like, Jack Daniels, like Jose Cuervo, something normal. And he was like, he kind of just like stared at me for a minute. And then he's like, oh man. He's like, yeah, I'll do that for you. And I'll get me one too. <laughs> <laughs> So this poor guy, he has to go, like, back through the gate and tell them that he wants to go back to the duty-free store. And they, like, let him back in. And the funny thing is, too, his, like, tour bus was waiting for him. This this guy ended up being from, like, Uzbekistan or something. And he's, like, tour bus was waiting for him. And he comes, like, running out of the airport, like, with a bottle of alcohol, like, yes. And we're, and we're, like, cheering. We're, like, yes. <laughs> the guy like barely makes his tour bus oh man so that is one of the funniest stories i think i've ever heard anyway that hustle for the alcohol <laughs> happened in egypt i feel like if i was getting off that plane i would have been like Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, like, once I kind of, like, told the story, gave, like, you know, I was like, listen, dude. He's like, oh, shoot, yeah, I'll do that for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. (laughs) (laughs) He would, too. That sounds such like a Jaden story. (laughs) (laughs) You know, desperate times call for desperate measures. (laughs) <laughs> remember when i found that uh that liquor store across the nile like in like like a computer store like at the top of a computer store or like office building thing <laughs> oh my gosh yeah actually speaking of desperate you might have be like a little bit more than me uh, i do remember i was like how on earth did jason find this because this is 100 percent not on google maps <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know how i found it to be honest <laughs> it kind of made me feel like what it might feel like to be back in the prohibition era it's like you gotta know a guy who knows a guy that knows a guy (laughs) yeah well i did that in jordan too i found like a like a back of a closed store that was selling it and the way i found that i don't doubt it i think you just have that like nose it's like you're just following (laughs) yeah yeah, I can pretty much find it wherever. <laughs> also, not an alcoholic, but <laughs> do like to drink. Um, so, yeah, no, that was funny. <laughs> I, I basically, um, everybody went into Petra, and you were coming the next day, so I didn't want to like waste my ticket thing because I wanted to go with you. And oh yeah, so I was like, you know, I like went and got food, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> I wonder if there's booze around here somewhere. And so, <laughs> and so basically I like went up to like the youngest looking dude I could find like working. And I was like, Hey man, do you know where to get alcohol? He's like, yep. Follow me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, he takes me like, 
into this back room of like a closed restaurant and uh like flags this guy down he's like you know he's like motioning his head like go over there and yeah then this guy just like opens this liquor cabinet and he's like what do you want <laughs> and he's got like everything. amazing and like well this is definitely not a liquor store it's definitely like kind of back like backroom shady dealings but i mean it worked so <laughs> yeah i mean you really gotta do what you gotta do in some of those arab countries <laughs> well it's yeah it's funny like you can always find it somewhere yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah i mean i think i landed in petra or i didn't land in petra when i landed in jordan and then got there i mean you already had all the spots scoped out it's like sweet <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that day in in petro was wild <laughs> we like got yeah super another lost. story yeah we got like <laughs> super lost <laughs> like coming from top down and uh like found this bedouin family that like drove us like back to where we were supposed to be and like he whipped out this like altoids container that had like legitimate like roman coins and we were like whoa oh. what <laughs> Yeah, I mean, first of all, the car he was driving, it was like like a normal SUV. And we're just like driving along these like crazy canyons. And you're like every turn and every thing, you're like, surely he's not going to go over that massive rock in this car. And then all of a sudden it's like... Poof, 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 like that was the most wild like backcountry experience of the back entrance of Petra like <laughs> yeah it was crazy and then there was like that random woman on the side of the like canyon just like there's nobody around for miles and she's just like selling wares like in the middle of nowhere <laughs> that was wild I mean the craziest thing is that those families have been there forever like the people that live in the caves in Jordan, I don't think um, you would really know this unless you like meet some, like how we saw some of these people, but their families for generations and generations have lived in these caves that are outside of Petra or like outside the, you know, the main park. And I can't even imagine just the stories they have. Cause like, I mean, the, their families have just passed on and passed on and passed on like being in the same place. And I, and, and that's why I literally think that guy had like real Roman coins. Cause probably his like great, great, great grandfather was like, yeah, found that and was literally there during the Roman times. Like I wouldn't even doubt it. <laughs> yeah. I, there was no doubt in my mind. Those were real. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Like no doubt in my mind. Cause like, yeah, these people just live in these caves for like thousands of years. Like, you know, like, they never leave. It's just, like, genera like you said, generations, like, going back. Thousands yeah, of and <laughs> I also met this girl in the States, actually. She's from Jordan, but she was explaining this even more in depth to me of the family lineage, lineages that are in, like, that area. And she was saying, like, she, like, you know, you and I can probably count back from our generation of probably, like, maybe three or four generations that we would know our family history. Um, probably more with like 23 and me or whatever, but 
these people, like they know where their families have come from, from, for like so many generations. And that to me is just so wild. Like she can tell you exactly where, who her family was from like 2000 years ago. Like I just think it's absolutely nuts. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. And they know their history. Like they'd grow up like learning their family history, which like, wow. Yeah. I only know maybe past like my great, 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 great grandmother other than that no idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah good luck <laughs> yeah i, know, I get like, like to the boat and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean yeah we've done like the um genealogy thing like my mom got really into it for a while um yeah mostly polish jew <laughs> is what i am oh interesting yeah, like we had um direct family that like died in the Holocaust and whatnot. So Wow. I'm a Jew. Jew boy. <laughs> You're a Jew boy. Yeah. Yeah, so and then after that guy dropped us off, I think we gave him some money or something and um then we like started walking and then this guy appears on a horse <laughs> and I think we had seen him earlier or something, and then he's like, Jane, you wanna ride the horse? Like, yeah. <laughs> Kelly, how do you do? It was just one of those things where like the back entrance is is how many miles? Nor like the normal route. Do you remember? I think it was like I mean the way we went was probably like four miles to like the staircase. Cause we had did all that like backcountry hiking as well. It was probably like Yeah, but Yeah, I mean we just did some zigzaggy routes. We got so lost, but it was just cool because it just felt like these little gifts along the way were like like the random guy with his car that was like, surely he's not going to be driving over these rocks. And sure enough, he's like, yeah, I'll take you to the staircase. And then like even further along and then a guy comes with his horse. It was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll take you on. Like, I'll take you on my horse. I'm like, what? Like all these random little gifts of rides along the way it was pretty sweet <laughs> and then we had that like emotional walk down because we both felt like super powerful energy like going through it and we we're like Whoa, oh my gosh yeah <laughs> in all my travels i can't really say i mean egypt also obviously has that really old feeling where you feel a little bit emotional but something about jordan had that like petra had that like otherworldly just like if you're tapped in spiritually at all it's like you can't really ignore it like it just felt so strong and I was like whoa and I just kept like crying walking down the stairs and you're like are you okay but it was like you were feeling similar things to me at the same time which was cool yeah um, no it it just felt like like the history of that place is like so much older than like anywhere I've ever been and like there must have been so much stuff like happening in that like area that like yeah you just really felt it oh yeah and for some reason just the like journey down the down into the canyon itself like I just kept it's almost like I started feeling it more and more the deeper I got into the canyon I was just like whoa but I mean when you look at some of those like the way the things are etched into the rock, 
you're like, what is this? Like, I don't know. It's kind of bizarre. It just feels very otherworldly. Yeah. And like how hard must have that been to like carve all that stuff like into the canyons and yeah, it's crazy. It's so wild. <laughs> so wild. Yeah. we, we timed up our camel ride pretty cool at the end there. We didn't even really try to do that, which was sweet. Yeah. 13 year old kid, like with camels, it's like comes up to us like, Hey, you want to ride a camel? Like, yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah, it just like perfectly ended at the um, what is it called? The treasury. Yes, I think it's called the treasury. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know what? Honestly, I'm. This is the cool thing about you and I when we travel is because we kind of go with the flow really well, and sometimes it leaves room for these really cool things to happen. Um, but it's just cool because I think that if you just came into Petra from the other way. You totally miss a whole nother experience of that's a bit more touristy. Like the other way is way more touristy. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think most visitors just like go to the treasury and they're like, all right. And maybe they like puts around a little farther, but I, yeah, yeah. They don't, I don't think they go like the full experience. <laughs> yeah. And the other bizarre thing was that they were like trying to charge for you to stay on the little like blip or what do you call it? Like a little shelf of the rock to take a picture. But then there's like this giant sign that says like, people can't charge you for it. <laughs> and then it makes you really confused. Cause you're like, this guy is coming up to me. Like I'm getting in trouble if I don't pay him. But this giant sign says that people can't. Charge. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> so confusing. That was very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like we were like where is like i we couldn't even find like the staircase thing to get up to it no i feel like that's definitely one of those things that became way too popular from instagram like people were taking photos up there that iconic photo and then just became something that someone's like yeah i'm gonna capitalize off this little ledge to take your instagram photo yeah <laughs> well you know there's there's always tricksters in um those like third world country kind of things um always people trying to make a buck off the tourists you know it's not as right yeah it's like the states or something you know <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah yeah Jordan was fun <laughs> and then i got stuck in israel which was kind of weird but <laughs> yeah, yeah and, like, and you had to try travel you had to like navigate that uh airport without your phone too that was probably hard Oh my gosh! Yeah, we did uh, Wadi. What's it Wadi called? Mujib. Wadi. Wadi Mujib, I think. Wadi Mujib, um, and I will admit I was one of those like over cocky people from like we've we've canyoneered a bunch in Zion and stuff, right? So I'm like, oh, this thing's gonna be like I can do this whole thing like one handed. <laughs> Which we did sort of <laughs> we did sort of but that's why i brought my phone on this um canyoneering experience because i was like oh it's nothing i'm gonna do this with like one hand anyway drop my phone down a waterfall <laughs> <laughs> but found it <laughs> found it like a raging waterfall too yeah there's a there's a you know like 
a whole lineup of people behind us after and like I dropped my phone in the waterfall and it's like so loud and I panic right because I dropped my phone down the waterfall and then my immediate response was to just like dive under and then I I dive under and it's just like straight rushing water so of course I can't see like anything down there and then I like proceed to open my eyes lose my contacts that were in my oh my gosh what a mess and then I like pop up and I'm like oh my god I just lost my phone and I can't see this is going well and then the guy behind me like screams he's like use your feet so then like I'm like I found my phone with my feet at the bottom of this waterfall and it still worked which was amazing but not for long it didn't work for very long (laughs) Yeah, we still took pictures and stuff on it, I think. Yeah. Oh I God. still took pictures. And there's like those fish that you're spiting your feet the whole time. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. That was that was interesting. It's like I don't I don't really like when you know, there's stuff in the water and you can't see it. Like I'm definitely the type of person that gets a little freaked out by water when you can't see underneath really. And I didn't, I didn't like the fact that it's like you're in this little, like, you can't see the water underneath you. You're in this canyon. There's nowhere for you to go. And then there's like these fish just attacking the fuck out of you if you don't like walk fast enough. <laughs> yeah. And like you can't see them and you're like, what? Or swim fast fish? enough. Like, yeah. You can't see them coming. <laughs> but you can feel them like, you know, I mean, I think there was probably at least like 10, 10 to 15 on me at once. At one point, just like, oh my god, like, what is this? <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that that turned out to be a pretty uncomfortable experience for me. It's like I couldn't see, didn't have my phone, fish are biting me. I was like, you know, I went in there pretty cocky and left pretty, pretty not, not cocky. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I was stubborn because I was like, oh, my phone... It's it still worked, but then all of a sudden it didn't work, and I didn't want to go buy an iPhone like in the middle of Jordan. You know, it was just seemed like such a headache. It was going to be way more expensive, so I was stubborn, and ended up just like flying home with not a working phone. I mean, I mean, my last like th- two three days in Petra, I didn't have a phone. My husband was like, "This is not okay. You're like in the Middle East without a phone." I was yeah. chilling though, honestly. I mean, he, it was like really refreshing to not have a phone and be traveling. Uh, it was funny though, because like, yeah, it was funny though, because at one point I'm having to like ask people the time because I, you know, you use your phone to look at the time and I don't, I don't like wear a watch. So I'm like having to go up to people like, do you know the time or do you know where this is? And they're just like staring at me like, who asks the time anymore? <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, don't you have a resource for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. And my husband picked me up from the airport, and he was just, like, beside himself. He hadn't talked to me in, like, four days, and, like, I didn't have a phone in the Middle East. He didn't know if I was making it home. He just, like, met me at the airport when he knew my flight was landing. He's just, like, a wreck. And I'm, I, like, show up, and I was, like, oh, yeah, I'm chilling. Went to Belgium, had some Belgian waffles, Met a few people are really nice. Like, I'm good. <laughs> Classic. Classic. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I know. I mean, I was texting, <laughs> I was texting John too. I was like, I think she's on her flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like Nate took you. Well, Nate was there for a while, right? Yeah, I mean, I I probably wouldn't have got. I I would have been way more stressed without having Nate there to help me for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we just did a podcast too. It's coming out in a couple of days. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, what was like the last travel experience you had? Like, I know you're like constantly traveling, but like, yeah, yeah. Well, currently. This is pretty fun. I am in Normandy, France, and um, we rented this house for a couple weeks that I didn't know this, but turns out this house is really old. It's built in 1301. <laughs> and uh, pretty wild because, you know, there's just like not things this old in America. You're just not used to randomly going somewhere and staying in a house that was built in 1301. It just doesn't happen. So like if it was there in America, it would definitely be some kind of like museum, right? I feel like I'm actually staying in a museum right now. But these people that live here, it's just like no big deal. But I mean, the stonework and everything in this house is actually original. It's pretty spooky. I'm not going to lie. Um, but looking up the year 1301, I mean, this house, it literally survived like people that lived here, like lived through the black plague. I'm like, whoa, this is so old. <laughs> whoa, 1301. Yeah. That is very old. <laughs> very old. Yeah. Yeah. So just in time for spooky season, in this old house, <laughs> it's huge. It's like a really big house. It's like these really cool farmland around it with sheep and everything. Um, but yeah, 1301. I'm like, these people survived or went through the black plague. Like, this is middle ages. It's wild. That's wild. Yeah. It's, that's the cool thing about Europe too. Is like, there's so much history there, you know? Like, like I remember when I went to England, there's like, all these castles and stuff and they're like obviously like definitely like medieval castles You're like, wow, that's yeah cool. we just went to one a couple days ago it's called mont saint michel and you've probably seen pictures but it's this castle that is built out on this tiny little island out in the kind of in the in the um in the bay it's it's like the english channel um from france and and the uk but this was also built so long ago, and it's insane because the it has, like, one of the largest, like, tide shifts out of anywhere in the world. Like, the way the tide will literally change by, like, 30 feet in, like, a minute. Like, I mean, it's fast. So it's it's cool because you, like, go see it, and the tide, when the, you have to time time it to actually get out to the castle when the tide is low. And if you don't... Um, you're kind of stuck on the island if the tide goes up and it can go up like super fast. So you have to be like really watching the tide and yeah, it's super cool because it's also has some like haunting stories because people say like they would go out on the island like and then get stuck on the island because the tide and all that's on there is this like creepy old monastery. <laughs> so 
Yeah, thankfully I didn't get stuck out there. I got to kind of see it when the sun was setting and the tide was about just kind of starting to come in, but it was pretty magical. That sounds, yeah, spooky. (laughs) Spooky. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's about that time, eh? Yeah, I was like, I guess I timed it pretty good, you know, just in a house built in 1301, going to haunted castles. That's fine. Spooky season. Have you ever had like a, like a paranormal experience that you like couldn't explain? In this house? Like in general. Oh my gosh, it's too many to count. <laughs> what was like the most? Uh, ooh, hmm. The most profound one. Oh, okay. This was in um, Sea Island, Georgia. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, like the old, the deep south. Um, and my husband, John, and I were staying in this, in this, uh, like, old plantation house like it used to be a plantation and I'm super sensitive to paranormal things but uh anyway and and I I I am the classic like I always get things that happen at 3 a.m like I wake up I look at my clock it's 3 a.m anyway we're staying at this plantation house I wake up in the middle of the night or before I wake up this is the only time this has ever happened to me and it still can put chills up my spine I'm laying in bed and I audibly hear somebody like this, like whisper talk in my ear. And they were like, Jaden. And it like shot me awake, like just full chills, you know, like you're like woke up, like, and I, and I knew that it wasn't my husband, like my husband's sleeping next to me. He's like snoring. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God, like something just like actually said my name. And then not even like, not even like, a minute later, my husband starts like like convulsing almost. Like he's like <gasps> like he's like breathing like wild. And I'm like trying to wake him up. And then he like wakes up. He like had like the hardest time waking up. He like wakes up and then he was like like told me he felt like something was like on top of him. And then and then fast forward like a few days and um John's friend was also staying in this house with us and he had taken a picture of John in front of like the room where we were sleep, like the area where we had been sleeping. And then like a few days later, he like notices in the picture, he's like, holy shit. He like sends his picture to John and there's like something in the back round of this picture. It's like clearly like a spirit or something. You can see it in the photo and we're just like, whoa. I don't know. It was just pretty wild. But I think it was maybe some plantation stuff or I have no idea. But it was pretty spooky and I was ready to get out of there. (laughs) That's very creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I have lots of paranormal stories, but that one was pretty wild because I wasn't the only one experiencing it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the most I've ever had really is just like sleep paralysis stuff. Where, like, I, mean, I think that's just, like, a disorder sort of thing that I have. But it is quite scary. Like, um, 
you're like halfway between asleep and awake and then you start hearing like very loud disembodied voices and like you can't move and you're like hallucinating i don't know have have you like experienced that before because that's like most of the paranormal oh so many times and that yeah that one is that's definitely for me it's just it's hard to um Except it is just scientific for me. Like, it's just this, like, oh, you're just having sleep paralysis because it really, I don't know, it's fascinating. Especially if you're someone that lucid dreams. Because um, I I used to lucid dream a lot when I was little, and then I stopped for a long time, and then I'm doing it again recently. But it definitely, it feels like you're in this weird little in-between realm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it, it's usually... It's usually because I'm lucid dreaming, like intentionally. Um, <laughs> yeah, your mind yeah. gets stuck in like this in between thing, and and then like you. It's can't... almost like, yeah, it's almost like you can't get back in your body or something. Like I don't know, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, like you lose control of like your body, and then like the way I usually get out of it because I like I've done it enough now that I can sort of recognize like how to get out of it. You just start wiggling your finger, and then then you can get out of it after that but yeah Mm, that's a good tip yeah i think it is like a product of like lucid dreaming like take you know taking control of your dreams and like steering it in a way you want and then yeah i think it's just a byproduct of that so yeah the other thing that i'll do sometimes instead of or that will happen to me instead of sleep paralysis is it's um kind of a form of it but like as i'm coming back into my body from lucid dreaming my brain, I'll start speaking or like trying to speak for some reason. Like the first thing my body will do as it's waking up is start trying to speak. And my brain is going like way faster than my mouth can, can, can go. I don't know how to explain that, but it's like my brain is going so at this like really high fast speed and my body's trying to catch up or something, you know, like, cause when you dream, they say something like that your last 30 or like time is totally different in your dreams. So like you can dream where it will feel like a really long time, but it actually only like 30 seconds has gone by or something. Um, but anyway, it happens to me sometimes when like I'll be like trying to get back in my body. And then for some reason, the way my body wants to do it is by speaking. And then it's like, I literally sounds like blah, 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 because like my mouth can't move as fast as my brain is coming. yeah i feel like i remember that at one point like when we were sleeping in the same room (laughs) you might have heard me do it yeah (laughs) i feel like i it was in jordan or something i I remember that yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah i i totally understand like sometimes i have nights where like um I, I get, like, anxious that, that I have to wake up early or something, and I, like, only sleep for, like, 15 minutes at a time. But it's kind of wild. Like, I'll check my phone. It's like, okay, it's, like, you know, 4 a.m. And then I'll, like, close my eyes, have this, like, wild, crazy dream, and then wake up again, and it's, like, 15 minutes later or something. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, like, like what? I, I and I swear I have some nights where it literally feels like I've lived, like, a year. I'm not kidding. And then I wake up and I'm like, why am I so exhausted? And it's like, oh yeah, I feel like I like lived a year in my dream last night. It's fine. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's crazy like how realistic dreams can feel sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah, like so many times I'll just be like like dreaming and something either like really good happens or something really horrible happens and it's like feels like real life and then I wake up and I'm like, "Oh, thank God that didn't happen." <laughs> like that happens a lot. I hate it when I'm in the dream and I know it's a dream, but I still can't wake up. I'm like, oh, come on, wake up. <laughs> yeah, I think the way I deal with that is like, well, because I can steer like my dreams a little bit. So um, if I mm. want to wake up, I just do, I like put myself in danger in my dream and then usually that wakes me up. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like, I'll go, like, jump off a cliff or something, and then, like... Oh, oh God. Like, uh, <laughs> You're committing like, suicide in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of, you know, or, like, I'll get in a fight with somebody, and right before they punch me, I wake up. You know, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Like, that's, like... A I gotta try that, like, self-sabotage next time I'm just trying to wake up. It's like, oh, just, just go throw myself in front of it. Get punched. <laughs> Well, yeah, or just put yourself in, like, some kind of stressful situation, and then, then you wake up immediately. So <laughs> that's my <laughs> method, I guess. That's kind of a stressful tip. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it is, but it works. <laughs> well, because, you know, you know you're dreaming, like, you know. <laughs> Have you experienced the inception, like, dream within a dream? Yes. Yes, a lot. Where a like, lot, really. Yeah, like multiple layers of dreams. And you wake up and you're like, oh, am I awake? I think I'm awake. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, no, I'm not. Wake up again. Am I awake? Oh, no, I'm not. Wake mm -hmm. up again. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, it's so <laughs> trippy. Yeah, because that's the other thing. It's like it ha I haven't had them a lot, but I have had them. And it's like I thought I woke up and then, oh, shit, I'm in another dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, mostly around like Christmas time is when I get it. Because um, I'm like anticipating like Christmas morning all the time. So it's like I wake up like four or five times during Christmas time and I'm like, oh, this is still a dream. Still a dream, still a dream, still a dream. Okay, not a dream. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you just still have that like kid mentality of Christmas morning. So it's just causing you to have these like dream within dreams. Yeah, mostly I get it around Christmas. <laughs> or That's like amazing. or like some sort of like event that I've been anticipating like all year or something. Like you know, if I'm like really excited about like a trip or something, then you know, I'll I'll be like at the airport dreaming and then I'll wake up and I'm like still getting ready and now I'm at the airport again and like some event happens and then I again like yeah, it just like stacks on itself sometimes. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, honestly, I actually like looking back at um, Petra, like when we were in Jordan, it feels like a dream a bit. I think because we were in such a like, you know, spiritual place, it feels kind of like a dream-ish. And then it makes you really think about what are dreams. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Definitely craziness. Okay. <laughs> so if you could think back to like your most wild travel story, 
I know that's a huge question, but <laughs> I bet you have a really good one because you have so many of them. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, I would say it was when I was in Uganda and I was with my parents and we were on a wild game reserve and uh the reserve had like lions and zebras and elephants and giraffes and this whole deal and this hotel was super cool that we were staying at because it was like immersed within it you know it was like in the game reserve like at night you could hear everything like you could hear hyenas and it felt like we were like on a set of Lion King. Like it was just wild. Um, and super cool. And then one day we were like, or yeah, my dad was like, we're going to go on this like epic adventure horseback riding to like get closer to the wild animals. Cause if you're on horseback, it doesn't spook him as much as if you're in a truck or you're in like, you know, one of those safari vehicles or whatever. So, yeah, so anyway, we, like, go to the horse stables, and I was just in that phase of life where I'm just, like, living on the edge all the time, you know, classic seven, but I'm, like, <laughs> give me, <laughs> I'm the Enneagram, but, yeah, I'm, like, give me your fastest horse, like, I told the guy, like, he was, like, outfitting us for the horses, like, trying to find good matches for us, and I was, like, which one is your fastest horse, and he, like, looks at me, and he's, like, he's, like, funny you say that, this this is actually where we train racehorses. Like they were like holding racehorses that like literally go to like England and stuff and like compete. They were holding them in Africa, like for training. And he's like, we just got this one. He's like, this guy is like insanely fast. And <laughs> I was like, sweet. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, to be honest with you, like at that point I didn't have, that much riding experience. I mean, I had some, but not like the level to be asking for a race horse. <laughs> but I convinced, but I convinced this guy that I had this experience, right? So anyway, I'm pumped. Like me, my it's me, my mom, my dad, and the guide, and we're all horseback. And he's trying to get us like to these cool spots to see the lions and everything. And I was just obsessed with the zebras. I I was like loving the zebras and I wanted to get really close to them they're like one of the coolest animals I've ever seen in the wild like the the starkness of like the black and white on the African plain is just so cool so I was like wanting to get close to them um and this wasn't the kind of horseback ride where you have to like stay in a line behind the guide like the guide was super like loose with us he was just kind of like yeah you want to like go run with the horse go run with the horse you want to like go off for a little bit like it's fine so anyway I'm like off with the zebras like really far away from the guide and my parents because I'm like pumped about these zebras so I'm like <laughs> so I'm like next to the zebras and then all of a sudden the zebra makes this like noise and I'm like what and then I mean it all happened so fast but <laughs> the zebra, this like one zebra all of a sudden like made this noise and the entire pack of zebras just takes off. Like, I mean, takes off and my horse takes off with them. And then 
I like for a brief second that I was able to turn around, I realized there was a lion chasing us. Oh, <laughs> or chasing the, the zebras. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> my horse is like, running with the pack of zebras because it got spooked from like the noise that that zebra made or something i don't know so it just like takes off with the zebras and the zebras are running like full speed and my horse just want to like back up and remind you that i am on a racehorse so this thing starts going so fast that like i couldn't even see out of my eyeballs like the wind (laughs) And I'm like holding on for dear life. And I was like, I don't know what's more scary, how fast this horse is going or the fact that there's a lion behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I was like, I just remember like, you know, those moments where the adrenaline is just kicking in. And I will say there was one moment that was just so cool because I actually really did bond with this horse where like I barely moved and it was moving to my like command, you know, like it would barely move like that tiny inch, like to the right of the tree and the left of the zebra. And like, I mean, this thing was like, we were kind of like one and going at this like full speed. So it was really cool at one moment until I remembered that there was a line behind me. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, so when it ended up happening is I just held on as long as I could and then it, and then at one point, I mean, my full body was just on one side, and I was like holding on to the saddle, like full on, like on the side, because I had just gotten knocked off. I mean, this horse was cooking. And then, um, yeah, so I ended up just getting knocked off the horse, and it was pretty scary. But and it was wild because my dad and my mom are witnessing this in the open plain from really far away and my my dad telling the story later he's like oh my god this is how my daughter dies like she's gonna get eaten by this lion (laughs) oh my god and then and then he saw me fall off and then he thought I was like you know so badly hurt thank god I mean I couldn't walk for a couple days after that but thank god like I mean I was totally fine I ended up doing I ended up, um, you know, kind of just doing this like tuck and roll when I fell off the horse, but it was wild. It was definitely really wild. <laughs> my parents were so mad at me and the guide, I mean, like I, they came up my parents were like, I was like, what can you be mad at me for? I mean, the horse just took off, you know, but anyway, wow. I would have to say that's my wild story. And thankfully, the I mean, the lion wasn't interested in me at all when I fell off. He just kept going after the zebras, so. Oh, well, that's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably, like, the craziest story I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guide was like, you asked me for a racehorse and the whole thing. But he felt so bad for giving me that horse because he wasn't, like, really meant uh you know i mean he was he was pretty green he wasn't really a trained very well yet so but it's all good (laughs) (laughs) how many um countries have you been to 
You know, I'm not one of those people that like keeps track. I kind of more keep track of continents, I guess. Um, but travel, like most recent, like this last two years, most of my travel has been all through Europe. But it's been fun because I realized there's all these like random tiny countries that we'll just like randomly drive through. Because um, I've been doing a lot of road tripping here in Europe and it made me realize that I should probably start counting how many countries I've been. But I don't know. It's it's a good amount though. <laughs> yeah, I count on 16. But Nice. Yeah, I, I want to get to like 100 at least. But yeah. Heck yeah. What was your, what's your like favorite country, I would say? Ooh. I know that's a hard one, but. (laughs) Yeah, that's really tough. I mean, I really like India because of just this drastic, you know, way that it plays on all your senses. I think that. Um, I haven't really been to a country yet that does that on like every level. I mean, the Middle East definitely does it a bit when you're, when, because I love, I just love different experiences because I just feel like it really can expand your worldview and, um, just knocks you out of comfortability. And I think that's one of my favorite things about travel and India really just kind of like, it just it just is so like in your face with every one of your senses going at the same time where you're like, I didn't know that was possible, but I could see that, hear that, smell that and do that all at the same time. (laughs) Um, So I think I really love India for that. And um, I'm actually planning my first group trip for my company to India in March so people are interested stay tuned i'm planning it for the holly festival yes that's pretty exciting yeah me and my mom might be interested in that actually (laughs) really yeah i'm pretty pumped it's going to be the first group trip that i'm going on um it's all planned out and it's going to be in march of next year for holly so oh i want to go Um, yeah, didn't you get like malaria in India? Oh yeah, (laughs) that did happen. And that's not something that's normal. So people like, you know, wanting to go to India. That's, I, I, I went to a very remote, remote, remote spot area in India at one point when I was there. Um, I spent a few months and I was in a really, really remote village and I wasn't, uh, taking the malaria pills, um, and somehow got it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you, do you want to talk about that at all? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a whole nother crazy travel experience. But I will, I will say that uh, I got um, proposed to while I was having the worst part of my malaria, which was interesting. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, this like this Indian guy that happened to be with us happened to be with me uh, during this leg of the trip. He was he was kind of the translator, and he like had fallen in love with me. He said that I reminded him of Drew Barrymore. It was hilarious. Like the whole time, he just kept calling me like Drew Barrymore, and I'm like, I look nothing like Drew Barrymore. 
But anyway, um, <laughs> he just kept being like, I love you, Drew Barrymore. I'm like, what? I don't look like Drew Barrymore. But anyway, actually, it's a really good thing this guy had a crush on me because I was on the, on the train in India and when the malaria hit and the fever was so bad and I was just, like, you know, when you get delirious when you have a fever, um, I was so delirious that I got off on the wrong train stop. Like, cause India has those sleeper trains when you're going like pretty far. And that's actually when the malaria had hit me. And, uh, anyway, I got off on the wrong stop and thankfully this guy had a crush on me because no one would have noticed that I got off on the wrong stop except this guy because he didn't want to lose Drew Barrymore. Um, but <laughs> anyway, he like helps me. I like got off of the wrong train stop and I was so like, dude, like I barely remember the malaria because I was my, because of the fever was so high. I was so out of it for like four days. Like I just remember passing out and then I woke up like four days later, pretty much. And I didn't realize like four days had gone by. And I was just in bed. But immediately when I woke up, that guy's face was like right in front of me. And he was like, will you marry me? Do very more. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and he was holding out a ring. But the funniest part was like the ring was mine. He just like had taken it off the side of the nightstand and then proceeded to propose to me with it. Was he joking? Anyway. <laughs> no, he was actually dead serious. Really? <laughs> yeah. I could see like doing that jokingly. <laughs> but <laughs> no he was serious at least i think he was serious i don't know anyway that's my that's my malaria story <laughs> oh you have so many crazy stories i love it i know we're, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need some more podcast time for all the stories <laughs> i know right yeah um we're at an hour um so that's like normally the longest i wanted to go but if you want to keep talking we can but if you've got to do other things understand oh it's all good yeah this is seems like the right amount of time yeah yeah i can't give away all my stories you know people think i'm crazy <laughs> let's save them for more episodes <laughs> i guess <laughs> <laughs> i know that was awesome uh, <laughs> i love you so much jay <laughs> oh i love you yeah i love like just the life adventures that we've had together and you're a huge part of my my success with my company is, is some of the adventures we have we've had and it's awesome. Yeah. I know you're like my favorite international travel partner for sure. I'm like Yes. Yeah. I know. And I know we're gonna do a lot more. So Yeah. Um anyway, do you wanna like plug your business and Yeah, uh, you can find me at com. I love to plan unique custom itineraries. So if you want to have any crazy experiences like I've had, or if you don't want to have those crazy experiences, I can make pretty much anything happen for you. So, yeah. Yeah, Jaden is probably the most well-traveled person I know. Uh, and she knows how to do everything. So, Yeah, and... People are welcome to come join in India. So I'll have that up on my website here soon. Awesome. 
Sweet. Thanks, Jay. Love you. Uh, thanks, Jason. Love you. Bye. Bye. That was Jaden Allen, one of the most amazing people on this planet, 100%. So glad you guys got to experience our conversations together and our funny stories and (laughs) our just ridiculousness in general. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening to the Reach Podcast. It means a lot to me. And man, I love this project so much. And I hope that you guys will continue to follow along and share it with your friends and family or whoever would enjoy these types of really funny stories because <laughs> there's a lot of those uh, coming up, you know. Thank you for sharing in my life and my loves and my travels and all my friends and what makes life so beautiful. Thank you guys. Roots Away. I'm Jason Ringenberg. Keep dreaming. Love yourself. You. You.